Hi, I'm Felix and welcome to You Gotta Hack That, the podcast all about the security behind the Internet of Things. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about domestic solar power systems. Now that title is a bit of a mouthful, but there's a reason for that. I thought it'd be fun to follow on from last week's smart meters energy theme and then look at the obvious next step of generating your own electricity. The reason the title is complex is because most people think of solar panels as being the main component within such a system, but it's not actually that true. It turns out the solar panels themselves don't do very much other than generate the electricity, sure enough. What they then do is hand that uh, energy over to something called an inverter. The inverter takes the power, conditions it, makes sure it's the right format, you know, the right voltage, frequency and that kind of thing, and then sends it wherever it's going. Now, you might be lucky enough to have a battery pack that's attached to that. And so if it can, it would charge that battery or use the energy from the battery if it's not sunny. You might also be using the electricity straight away, you know, your washing machine's on or something like that. Or you may be in a position where you can send that electricity to the grid and be like a little bit greener for the world. There's some cool new stuff coming out as well, which is called V2G or vehicle to grid. And that's where the vehicles themselves, electric vehicles, might well have some spare power in their battery. And during peak times, the grid would say, I could do with that now. And then the car sends it and away you go. You make the world a little bit better without having to turn on dirty coal power stations. It's a bit out of the sky to the scope for today, but we'll maybe coming back to that in the future. In an internet-connected inverter system, there's probably another part or two to this as well. There's almost certainly going to be like a cloud application somewhere. And that API or that web application would then be responsible for communicating with the inverter and with your smartphone app. So the inverter would connect to the cloud, get its information from there about you know what its configuration is, what it's supposed to be doing, that kind of thing, reporting data. And then your app on your phone would be connecting to the cloud to get that data or send configuration messages and and so on. So the inverter has to be connected somehow to the internet. Now, that's almost certainly going to be via Wi-Fi or Ethernet to your local router in your home and then via the internet to the cloud. The information that goes over that connection is going to be in the same format as most other traffic is there, which is going to be IP. And at a guess, it's probably going to be something called HTTP which is actually better known as the stuff that serves us web pages. So thinking briefly about why people might do this, I can see a few different ways of looking at this, but I guess, you know, the idea of being able to cut someone's power, that's kind of attractive, I guess. I don't think this is particularly likely though, because it's not just a case of, well, you tell the inverted to turn the power off and it goes off because they're not generally set up like that. What they do instead is, They deal with the extra stuff from the solar panels and the battery rather than the main connection to the grid. They just supplement that, which means you might well be able to cause a similar effect, but you'd have to actually trigger like a, a failure mode where you stop your system from working and you trip the main system that's connected to the grid to make it think that there's something wrong and therefore cutting off the power is the best thing to do might be pretty obvious and to be honest it might not even result in a particularly long-term effect you know it might be only a few seconds before someone could then turn it back on again if they were happen to be you know next to the electric box at the time there's some other stuff that you might want to consider though which is what about monitoring people's usage now on the surface of it how exciting is it to know that yesterday i did a, a load of dirty washing in the washing machine Well, probably not very. However, you might be more interested in knowing that I'm in the house at the time or that I always, every single day, do the hoovering at 6 p.m. Or maybe I I just cleaned up after a 
after murdering somebody. That would be interesting. Not that you'd probably be able to find that from hacking their system because it would be too late by then. However, in theory, you could do something called disaggregation and pattern analysis on that data to then see what those events are that are happening inside that there in that home. There's lots of complexity here. And to be honest, that's probably another discussion for a different podcast. But in essence, what you need is reasonably good quality and granular data to then be able to produce interesting results. You can produce results without that, but it's harder to do and, and less exciting. There's maybe, if you're one of the lucky people who has a battery attached to your solar panel system, then you might well be able to destroy that battery. And in doing so, you'd certainly cause inconvenience, but you might also, say, destroy the house in a fire. Now, if the attacker timed this such that they knew people were asleep in bed at the time, it could actually also include killing somebody. You can imagine that would be a, a fairly easy way overall to be able to kill somebody without a trace. Because who's going to suspect that your battery system was hacked? I don't know. That doesn't mean it's going to be technically easy, just, you know, easy to then pretend you weren't there or have, a, you know, an alibi because you were in a different country at the time. I have read quite a few people talking about maybe infecting the grid. I don't think that this is particularly likely, at least not in the UK. And that's because it's electricity ultimately. And what I haven't worked out is whether or not there are any components at the other end of the substation to your house link that would then be something you could you know communicate with my expectation is that that's allergy delivery not communication but i might be wrong conceivably though it is possible that you could damage that local substation you know if you were to send lots of spikes of an energy from your house and your battery up the electricity cable to that substation then it might well get to a point where it's overloaded or not able to cope with something this is clearly going to vary by region, and I might be wrong about my assertion about communicating over the power lines. It just feels a little bit unlikely. We'll see. So then we get on to the how. Well, there's a few bits here that are of interest. Now, my expectation is the most exciting bit of this sort of a system would be the cloud application. You know, it's going to be the juiciest part of this and the biggest target. And that's because it copes with not just one system, yours. It will cope with mine and everybody else's who happens to own the same type of system. I guess the question I should be then asking is, well, how would we do that? The two obvious parts to this are the Android app or the web application, if it's set up that way around, and the inverter itself. Those two parts are going to be interesting because they're the bit that does the most communication. I'd probably start with the Android app or the iOS app. And what I would say is that if you can get hold of a copy of that app, which is it's not that difficult, generally speaking, you then be able to extract that software and understand how it connects to that cloud application work out how it does authentication, and then what the API, the application programming interface it is that it connects to, looks like. If you can then work out what the API looks like and, and what calls it makes, you might be able to manipulate those calls. A really easy example of that would be, for instance, if the API call included an ID number, and that ID number happened to represent your particular inverter, if you were to change that number to a different value, would that then be able to have an effect on somebody else's inverter? 
you'd be able to maybe test that with relative ease. You know, if, if you and your neighbor happen to own the same sort of system, you could probably identify what that ID number was and then be able to swap it and just test it. Now, strictly speaking, that is breaking the law. Um, certainly in the UK, it would be breaking the Computer Misuse Act because you'd be doing something that was not intended. However, it's fairly subtle and it's probably not going to get caught. Noisier stuff, though, may well be able to result in better access, but almost certainly is going to be something that would get noticed if anybody's looking at all. You know, searching for cross-site scripting or SQL injection or OS commandeering can be quite noisy. You don't want to do that on a live system, certainly not one that's not your own. If I were lucky, I'd be able to find a copy of that cloud system and then be able to put it in a lab, but that feels a bit far-fetched in this instance. It's unlikely that that software is, you know, commercial off-the-shelf stuff. It's probably been made for purpose and has has got some developers wherever, you know, the vendor comes from is sat there doing some work on it. That means you're not going to be able to get a copy and then stick it in a lab and and then fuzz it or send loads of attacking uh, attempts to it. So the second way of looking at this then would be from the inverter itself rather than from the smartphone app. To do this, you'd want to get a copy of the firmware for the inverter or maybe the battery, depending on what your circumstances are. A bit of a health warning, these things probably have high voltage. Don't do it. I don't want you to die. And certainly, I don't want you to sue me. With that health warning in mind, I'd suggest maybe actually do a load of OSINT first, open source intelligence gathering. What you can find with OSINT is amazing. You might find that someone else has already done a load of the work for you. They might be able to find a, a patent application which includes a load of details or you know, an FCC ID a submission which includes a physical description of how it all set up. There's loads of stuff to look for. Definitely worth spending some time on first. This system is going to be a bit more complex than some other IoT systems, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to be any more secure or vulnerable, for that matter, against particular types of attack. I'd be looking for understanding whether or not the inverter has got good communications protocols in place. And I'm in particular in this instance thinking about Wi-Fi and the cryptography that's used there. So it's quite possible that there would be an old version of Wi-Fi in place using old libraries or old physical equipment that just can't cope with newer versions of the Wi-Fi standard. You might be able to impersonate somebody else's inverter by being able to break their crypto as a result of a flaw and then being able to send messages on its behalf. That's technically feasible, although it might not be that likely that it's actually in place and and it's probably quite a complex attack to pull off, but it might well be something you'd want to look at and it might still be something that's present. You might also find that there's hidden administrative interfaces, you know, stuff that doesn't do things that either you as a consumer or, you know, the engineer who installed it is likely to ever want to use. I have actually seen before now that there's been backdoors in these systems so that if you happen to know where they are, you can then log into them and do things that you weren't supposed to be able to do. It's pretty rare, but it does happen. You'd also be looking for unusual connections to resources online. Um, So things like reporting your information back to more than one place, not just, say, that cloud structure. Um, There may well be like other places that information is going to as a, a privacy invasion. And I'm thinking in particular, there was some news recently about some white goods appliances and by a company called AEG. They were testing whether or not they were online and connected correctly to the internet by checking for access to websites 
And these websites were in three different main countries. So there was one that was based in the US, and then there was one that was based in Russia, and there was another one based in China. Now, I can actually sort of see the logic behind why you'd want to have those three different countries. However, it doesn't make people feel very warm and fuzzy inside when they think that their, you know, their oven or something is connecting randomly over the internet to a, a whole different country that might not ideologically align with your own opinions. It's also important to recognize that a lot of these devices leak Wi-Fi keys when they're being set up in the first place. Now, whether or not this is something you're concerned about is a different matter, and maybe you accept that as part of the risk. But actually, it's not great practice, and there's ways of avoiding this if you just put a bit of effort and engineering exercise into it. So my take on this. It is certainly possible to create a secure solar panel-powered system, but what I've seen so far appears to be a bit on the rough side. By rough, I mean smoke test stuff. So nothing particularly tangible as far as security is concerned, but just, well, why does it work like that? I'm sure it'd be better if it did this instead. Or why is it broken for no apparent reason? I'm on the internet, everything else is working. Why have I got half of it rendered? I'd like to propose a bit of a rhetorical question for you guys. So if you happen to be one of the lucky ones who've got one of these systems, then I'd have a look in your app or on the, the inverter or the battery itself and see whether or not you can see an obvious firmware update routine. Now, even if you've got one of these, your vendor might not produce a version update ever, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. If at least there's an update routine, then maybe there's a possibility that it might get done once in a while. It's possible that might be an automatic update routine in the background. That feels a little bit unlikely to me, just because of the safety concerns around whether or not you, you trip the power in the process or you know you bring it back on by accident or you give it a completely different configuration by accidentally wiping out what voltage you're supposed to be running on at the moment. You can imagine there'd be quite a lot of you know safety problems with that. So instead, if, if it doesn't have an, um, an automatic one, then I would be looking for understanding what the version number is at the moment. You know, maybe you can see what that version number is. Maybe the version numbering itself is indicative of the date that it's been produced. It's quite a common feature with firmwares. My guess, though, is most of these solar panel installations with uh, online inverters probably won't ever receive many in the way of firmware updates. They're probably going to be stood there doing what they are forever. Hopefully, nobody will find anything particularly serious about them because otherwise we're going to end up with an awful lot of infrastructure out there that can't be easily updated. We'll see. Let me know your thoughts. I'd be interested. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please give the show a rating or review in your podcast app. We would really appreciate it. It helps us get going. To talk to us about any aspect of the show, suggest a future topic, or to ask questions about IoT security, please get in touch via email on helpme at yg.ht or with at gotta underscore hack via Twitter.